Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. Like God is setting people free. Jesus is encountering people. I was talking to one of our new believers this week, and she mentioned, she's like, I found the pearl of great price, and it is so worth everything. I, I just, I tell you what, what God is doing in people's lives is mind-blowing. It shouldn't be if we actually read the word and believe it. <laughs> but when we see it actually happening, you know, I, I was um, with a group of ladies for Bible study this week. I don't know if they're in the house today. Um, but they're like, I'm telling some of the testimonies that they're like, that is like Bible sort of stuff. I'm like, I know. Like it's happening all the time. So we just want to continue to sow into this and see what God's got for us. But we've been talking about the kingdom. This is actually week 10, but it's part two of our kingdom keys because last week we couldn't even begin to get far enough on it. And even today, I'm just going to brace you. There is a ton of content here. So um, I highly recommend take notes. If you need to screenshot some of the things that are on the screen, get your phones ready to be able to do that. But also, I would really recommend a second listen. So on YouTube, on our Facebook, um, also for those who don't know, we have a podcast. So it's on, um, so the podcast is just actually the, the condensed, just the message. And on various podcast forums, if you just look for Victory GP, you'll find it there. So you can download and listen on your walks or in your car or whatever. But I really believe God wants us to get this. The freedom that he's paid for it's available, and just because we're not fully experiencing it maybe doesn't mean it's not real. It just means we need to know what keys to use, when and how, and actually use them. And so from that place, we're going to get into Kingdom Keys Part 2 today. Matthew 10, 7, 8 says, As you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. This is our goal. When we're talking about, we're not just like having church. We are, we are engaging the kingdom because this is our assignment. And as we grow in him, we step into those, um, these areas personally, and we get to help other people in these areas the more we understand it. So the basic you know, condensed version of that is the kingdom you've encountered is the kingdom you carry, so do something. Right? The kingdom you've encountered is the kingdom you carry, so do something. We should all leave church on a Sunday morning, this gathering place, we should leave it with a sense of purpose on the inside, looking for a way to apply it in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces. We should know that we're walking around with the answer. And we can use it, we can apply it, we can do something. So this is the concept of um, stepping into this kingdom revelation. There's this one really tricky verse in the word, and it says, Matthew eleven twelve, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. <laughs> this is like the worst translation ever. Honestly, um, when you actually dig it out, because it's like, I mean, this has been, this scripture has been used for a lot of misappropriating church leadership, mishandling, you know, Christian aggression, you know, that kind of stuff. That's not what it means. It literally, Jesus is talking about 
you know, up until the time of John the Baptist, everything was prophetic in nature. It was, we're waiting for something. There's someday, somewhere, something's going to happen. But from the time that John the Baptist got up and he started preaching that this is the time, and he was preparing the way for Jesus, this thing happened where you, you read about this crowd of people. John the Baptist, is ba- he's called that because he's baptizing people all the time. Like people are aggressively pursuing this new revelation. And so what it literally means, just to give you a little help on this, suffers violence means to force. Violent means forcer or energetic. And by force means to seize, catch, or take. So literally, it means in simple words that there is this taking. People, when the, when the kingdom of heaven is there, there's this taking. People choose to lay hold of and grab the freedom. There's something that's there. In Luke's version of it, Luke 16, 16 says, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone's pressing into it. That's a better way of saying it. Far better. Matthew had a moment or, you know, Matthew Henry or whoever. King James, as we translate it. It it literally means there's this thing, there's this revelation that's there. The kingdom of God is feeling this pressure because there there is people who are grabbing and laying hold of what's available to them. Kingdom's available. We actually only obtain it. We actually only walk in it when we decide to get a little aggressive about taking it on. All that to say that, right? We're not just, we don't want to just show up at church and like somebody tell me something that might help my life. When we understand we are encountering the kingdom and the kingdom is here and there is a king who rules over his kingdom and everywhere that the kingdom or the king has dominion is his domain, his kingdom. I'm part of that. I want to know what's available and I will get aggressive and lay hold of it. I'll grab onto it. I'll decide that this is my new reality. And so when we're talking about that, part of that is this keys. So I think our misinterpretation is that this, the kingdom of God suffers violent, the violent take it by force, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We're picturing a bunch of angry warriors who are bashing stuff down. Keys. Keys are such a better way of looking at things. If you have authority, you don't have to be aggressive. If you, if you know you have authority, you just say it and it's done. You just, when somebody has authority, it like, because those of us who really hate conflict, like there's people who will run to the conflict every time, you know? But there's other people who are like, I actually, I don't have that constitution on the inside. I hate the idea of fighting. Do you know, because honestly, I believe some of the translating of this and how we understand it has caused a lot of really um, peace-loving people to live in bondage because they're scared to engage a fight that they think is going to be really aggressive and nasty. But if we can take that fight portion out of it and we say it's about exercising authority, authority is a different cat. So are you with me? It means that it doesn't matter what your personality type is. There is a measure of walking in the kingdom for you in the way that you, you are called to do it. And it's really just about turning the keys. So when, when we see this aggression, the commitment, we're talking about aggression in the way of, I really want everything that God has for me. Yeah. 
That's the aggression portion. I really want everything that God has for me. I'm willing to pour myself out completely into this relationship with him. It doesn't mean we're walking around as angry, raging Christians. So we are, yeah, true. So we are seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to us, right? We've been talking about that. It's, it's this, it's realizing that his kingdom is, I know that there's a king who's actually in charge and his righteousness is his way of being right or doing right. What is right in God's eyes? So if I'm seeking first, what is the right thing to do in God's eyes? Then the rest falls into place. It's, it's not passive, but it's peaceful. And that is, you know, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. So we can engage this measure of warfare from a position of peace. And in fact, we actually need to do this. We know that the model prayer, we are praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then it goes on and says, and give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses. We know that in the model prayer, we're seeing the kingdom of God is meant to come and function on the earth. And it's going to function through me. When we can have that revelation, we suddenly, you know, if you know you're going out to fight, you're, you're, you're engaged in something that's really important, you're, you're responsible to represent uh, somebody in some, you know, important fashion, some de delegated fashion, you want to know how does it work, what am I responsible for, what's going to, like, how do I wear this assignment well? When we're talking about the keys of the kingdom, it's that. It's recognizing that there is a kingdom that is meant to manifest on the earth. I am part of that kingdom. I'm a delegated representative. I am here as a king and priest, you know, representing heaven on the earth. I have an assignment. I just really want to know how to work this thing. That's, that's, that's so much more liberating than this is so confusing and it's just all warfare and I'm not into that and whatever. We need to be into this because it's God's call for us. So again, Matthew 16, 18 and 19, we talked about this. This is the last week, the revelation that uh, Peter had that Jesus is in fact the Messiah, the son of God, that the kingdom is here. And Jesus then answered and said, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we know that that means that there's a there are things that the enemy has locked up. There are bondages. There are, are strongholds that the enemy has locked up. And God says that there is, there is something that happens when the body of Christ goes out and those gates do not get to stand. That doesn't mean we're bashing things open. It means that we walk in the authority of Jesus and we start to see things change. How do we do this? The second sentence and right behind that, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So he literally ties the two together. He says, when you have the revelation of the king and his kingdom, there is actually a, a movement that happens that where the enemy has set up camp, you, you're about to displace him. You're about to start opening some locked places. You're about to start setting some people free. You're about to experience this initial stuff that we talked about. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you've received, freely give. We do that with these keys. The keys of the kingdom of heaven, whatever you bind on earth will be bound on heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So again, we talked about briefly last week, these are the keys 
of the kingdom, not the keys to the kingdom, right? They are the keys that belong to the kingdom that we get to use. So essentially, we have become sons and daughters, co-heirs with Christ, right? If you know Jesus, this is your position. We are part of a kingdom ruled by a king, and whatever the kingdom, wherever the kingdom, sorry, wherever the king has dominion is his kingdom. He has keys to influence opening, closing rulership that are available to me, and the keys belong to the kingdom, they will only serve kingdom purposes. The keys belong to the kingdom, they will only serve kingdom purposes. And that's where we're going to get into today, because this is kind of a big shift. A lot of us have um, experienced the kind of really aggressive prayer where there's a whole lot of screaming and yelling at the devil, and we're binding and loosing things, and you know, I bind you to this, and I bind that to this. So I, if we're not doing that anymore, okay? So follow me through on this. I feel like in just our ignorance and our exuberance sometimes, and in our desire to help people, sometimes we add to the gospel stuff that's not there. And there's a lot of things that get prayed or done or screamed in prayer meetings that don't actually line up with the word. So our goal as kingdom people is to find out what does the word actually say and operate out of that. Fair enough? We don't need to add a lot of other things to it. And I don't see a lot of this stuff, um, you know, that some of us have experienced. I don't see Jesus doing it. I don't see the apostles doing it. Like we read the New Testament and it's like, what, what century did we decide that was a good idea? I don't know. But I'm, I'm a really big believer on the gospel simple. And it's meant to be applied by everybody. Jesus was just, he taught to, you know, educated people and uneducated people in the same language. You know, just spoke to them. And it's graspable. It's something that's not supposed to be so complex that if I haven't been to that seminar, I can't figure it out. If we just do what he tells us to do, like if we just read the book and we do what he tells us to do, it will work. Right? Fair enough? So the keys are about authority. And uh, keys basically are carried by those who have authority over something of worth. Yeah, you're thinking, okay. Keys are carried by those who have authority over something of worth. So when we're talking about people, when we're talking about, you know, cities, when we're talking about strongholds, when we're talking about, you know, internal bondages, stuff like that, it means that there's a person of worth, uh, uh, an assignment of worth. There's something that God says has value to it, and the enemy wants to lock it up. God wants to set it free. It also means that if the enemy needs to be bound in some area from having access, the, the, the value is in him being put away. It's why we lock up dangerous criminals, right? The value is keeping them out of society. The value is we, we value the freedom here, therefore we lock you away from the general population. So when we look at, at these keys, this is kind of what we're doing. Authority is by default, privilege, capacity, delegated influence, right or power over. So when God gives us authority, he's giving us the keys because he's backing us up. It's his power. It's the victory of Jesus. Some of us feel like I'm such a loser. I don't deserve any keys. Jesus thinks otherwise. 
Jesus loves us enough. He paid the price for us, whether we feel worthy of it or not. He rose again so that he would be able to operate in this level, you know, so he'd be able to release this level of authority unto us. And then he did so. The Great Commission at the end, he's like, go into all the world, preach the gospel, and, and gave the instructions of what they were doing. This is delegated authority. So have you ever noticed that your society, the culture around you, has tried to get you thinking so closely about, are you happy? Are you happy in your marriage? Are you happy with your children? Are you happy with your gender? Are you happy with, how do you feel about everything in your life? Are you struggling? Are you feeling lost? Are you feeling angry? Are you feeling fulfilled? Are you feeling, do you know that is such a trap when the last thing Jesus said was go? That internal look is so, it's so debilitating. Any of us look at ourselves long enough and we want to throw up? I mean, uh, uh, honestly, you start looking outside and you don't care who you are. You, you, you pay attention to what you have to offer. Have you ever noticed when you see somebody, you know, on the side of a street and they're, they're like, just like looking for money or they're looking for, I just need a sandwich. I just need a what? Have you ever noticed how you like instantly do the pat down? Do I have anything to give? You're not, look, you're not looking, how do I feel about this? You, you look to see what you have to offer. That should be the way we do life. Jesus has given us everything, everything that we need for life and godliness. And so we actually are meant to be the ones who are like, we're looking for ways to administer the kingdom under his authority. Matthew 16, 19 in the Amplified. I want you to see this because this helps us a little bit better to understand this. It says, I will give you the keys or the authority of the kingdom of heaven. So this is a big deal. I will give you the keys or the authority of the kingdom. It might be a different amplified version, the modern one. Um, whatever you bind, forbid, or declare to be improper or unlawful on earth will have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, permit, declare lawful on earth will have already been loosed in heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth in the New Living Translation will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. This tells us that essentially if we see nothing but bondage around us, the body of Christ, the kingdom on earth, has permitted a lot of stuff to go on. It's about time that we decide that it is forbidden. There are some things that are forbidden to happen. It starts, though, right up close and personal. It starts in my home. It starts in my life. I forbid this access, and I permit this access. I am conscious of what I am locking or unlocking. I am binding or loosing. I am choosing, by the authority of Jesus Christ, what gets to operate in my life. Like, isn't that, doesn't that sound so much better than we're all going to get together and we're going to bind our this to that and whatever? I'm, I'm going to decide by the authority of Jesus Christ what gets to operate in my life and what doesn't. That's the key. That's the thing that God's calling us into. So again, these are the keys of the kingdom. It's not about what I want. It's about what he wants. So what I forbid, what I permit, these things are in agreement with what the Father said. So again, the keys of the kingdom, open and close kingdom realities. These three things, they belong to the kingdom. They are used by us under delegated authority to serve kingdom purposes. 
This, this is what we need to understand about these keys of the kingdom. They belong to the kingdom. They are used by us under delegated authority to serve kingdom purposes. If you get sent out with a badge and a gun, you better know what you're out there for. You better know who you represent. You better know why you're doing what you're doing. If we get sent out with the keys to open and close things, we better understand why we are doing it, what they are for. So again, last week we talked about the master key basically being the key of knowledge. It's you, you come into his presence, you know him. That relationship is where you find it. There's stuff that you will sense in prayer, in your time with the Lord. You can back it up with the word. You, you never go into a time of um, prayer or worship, a time of intimacy with the Lord, that he says something that's contrary to his word. Never. His nature is his nature is his nature, and his word is spelt out for us. But he will say things in a way in the moment that ignites for us what then can be seen in the word. He never changes. He is who he is. So now we're going to rapid fire. Are you still with me? It's a lot of content already, right? Okay. Three groupings of keys. I could, we could probably talk on, you know, different, like the keys for healing, the keys for finances, the keys for whatever, and, and probably hit a couple weeks per topic. Like there's so much, and who knows, God may have us go back into this again, but this is an overview that I find helpful to understand. Three groupings of keys that help us know how they operate, how to use them. If they've been available to me, and I'm still feeling bound. I'm still feeling like I can't get some freedom over this area. I'm feeling like our family keeps struggling with this same thing. Maybe it's generational. Maybe it's whatever. I'm feeling like my workplace is just a closed door to me. I can't get anywhere. Like it's worth pausing and going, okay, God, I believe that there's a key for this. What is it and how do I use it? By using these categories, it helps us to understand our response to it. So the first of the groupings is the key of alignment. The key of alignment. So keys of alignment are about something that I need to know. Something that I need to know. God has his ways of doing things. It doesn't matter how much time we spend in prayer begging God to change his mind. He's God. If anything's going to change, it's me. Right? He's the constant, I can change. So if I am struggling and it's like, oh, I just can't get a breakthrough in this area, I need to come into alignment. There's something that I need to know. And so this is about aligning with God about a person, about a place, about a situation. So for instance, you've got a kid in your home who's acting like the devil. You know, you got a spouse that you just like cannot get through to them. And you're so tempted to just like, what is the matter with you? And you start praying and it's like, God, I'm praying for my prodigal. I'm praying for my delinquent husband, my delinquent wife. I'm like, got this, my boss who just is of the devil needs to, and you're trying, you're trying to pray. It's not going super well. The prayer of alignment or coming into alignment is like, God, who do you see this person to be? And, and maybe God shows you that your spouse, like they actually are called to flourish in this area. They have a, you know, they have a soft, tender heart towards the things of God. And you're like, no, that is not what I'm experiencing right now. God wants you to engage based on who he says they are, not on what your experience is. So you, what that prayer would look like in difference is instead of God, just melt my hardened husband's hardened heart and turn it. You would say, God, I thank you. 
I thank you that you have made him to be somebody with a soft heart towards you. And every hurt, every place of damage that has compromised him, that has challenged him and, and, and caused him to struggle, I just pray healing from those areas. And I call him to be the man that you've made him to be. And I bless him in that, Lord. I thank you for the privilege of walking alongside him. And Lord, even as we go through this valley, I thank you that there's a mountaintop ahead. And I bless this man that you've given me. That is a whole lot different than God smite him. <laughs> right? I mean, we need to, so we come in. <laughs> Spouses are looking, did you pray that? <laughs> we come into alignment with what he says about things. It's this, it's John 12, 49 and 50, where Jesus said, I have not spoken on my own authority, but the father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the father has told me, so I speak. It means that the spiritual atmosphere should not change me, I change the atmosphere. I go, I like, Lord, what should it be? What should this look like right now? And I come before him and I find out and then I begin to operate from that place. Let me give you a couple examples because it's not just prayer. Jesus with the woman at the well. Obviously, he went to meet with her because the father said to. She was called, you know, all kinds of horrible things. She went out and got her water in the middle of the day so she didn't need to deal with people. Jesus came and he called her blessed. He, he spoke into her who she was. He, he went by the opposite spirit. When everybody else was avoiding her, he went out of his way to meet with her. That's what come, that's, sometimes that's a key of alignment is what is the opposite spirit? The key of alignment is operating based on who God says somebody or something is versus what I see them to be. How about the woman with infirmity over 18 years? Luke... Um, Luke 13, when Jesus said to her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmities. He didn't heal her, he delivered her. So what he saw, obviously, by the Spirit, by the Father, was that this woman was possessed and needed a deliverance. We have to see what is the issue so that we're praying and functioning accordingly. How about Zacchaeus, tax collector who robbed everybody in the city? How does Jesus engage with him? He says, I'm coming to your house for lunch. Have you ever thought the person that everybody hates is the person that God wants you to actually spend time with? That was a key. Jesus goes in and has a meal with him, validates his existence by actually spending time with him. And because of that, Zacchaeus is like, I'm going to pay back everything I ever took. He's like, totally. So not only did Zacchaeus get freed, but the, the, neighborhood around him that was bound by this thieving spirit by mammon that was rampant was actually the community was liberated because jesus turned the right key now what if jesus had just off of the top of his head you thieving spirit get out of him well he, he didn't so much need a deliverance so much as he needed love do you see what i'm saying we have to get into that place where God, I wanna see what you see and from that place I'm coming into alignment with it. Uh, you know, the, the man at the Gadarenes, he actually needed deliverance. Jesus came across and met with him, offered him what he needed and the entire area was liberated from that demonic thing that was tormenting them. This is our job. Why would we want to know this? 
Because not only us, but a community around us is going to experience freedom as we operate with the keys. So some of us, we've had a pocket full of keys and we've just been complaining about people. Man, somebody needs to do something about that. We need more police officers because crime is going up. And there are drug dealers and there's stuff going on. Man, somebody needs to do, I'm going to write a letter to the city and we need to do something about that. But they better not raise our taxes to pay for that because we already pay enough. Some of us need to just stop it and go, if there's a, a, a rise in crime, if there's an issue that's out there, it is probable that the kingdom has a solution. And maybe we need to pause long enough and say, God, show me what you see this city to be. What does Grand Prairie look like through your eyes? What's our prophetic destiny? Show me this neighborhood through your eyes. Show me this household through your eyes. God, help me come into agreement with you, and I'm going to turn the key. Show me which key to use, and I'm going to partner with you on that. Kind of cool, right? So then the next one, whew, next one is keys of assignment. Keys of assignment are something to do then. So the first one, keys of alignment are something to know. Now, keys of assignment are something to do. It's being where he wants you to be, doing what he wants you to do. So this will take two forms. The first one is action. So an actually go do something kind of thing. Sometimes the key is not like, let me just be unkind for a minute, but honestly kind. Some of us are sitting in our prayer rooms begging God to do something. And we need to put on our coat and shoes, get off our butts and go do the work of the ministry. Sometimes action... There, there wasn't a lot of excitement about that. <laughs> I'm not saying don't pray. I'm saying that along with prayer is action. Yeah. And sometimes the waiting for somebody to do something when you're the somebody that he's put it on your, you're so burdened about it because you're the one who carries the key. Like, isn't that pot when you're like, man, why can't everybody see this? Because you have the key. Get off your rear and go turn a key where it needs to be turned. How do we know this is true? Don't be offended at me. 1 Corinthians 16, 8 to 9. Paul says, but I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost for a great and effective door has opened to me. And there are many adversaries. What? Some of us would just be sitting around praying about the adversaries. Oh, there's so many obstacles. There's so many issues. Just, oh, so many things that are facing. Paul's like, there is a door that has opened to me. In other words, there's been a key that is turned and there is an opening. And my way of keeping that open is I'm going to go and serve in this. I am not leaving. I am not looking at the adversaries. I'm not sitting around praying about the adversaries. I am focused on the fact that there's an open door. And so I'm walking through it. We, we cannot look at all the obstacles all the time. Where's the open door? Might cost me something. Yep, it might. But in the kingdom, God always supplies. He meets every need. And so we want to look at these places where sometimes we just, when he says go, it's go. Nobody's making space for me. Ask God how to come into agreement with his thoughts about it. Ask him if there's an assignment. And sometimes it's not about if everybody else opens the door for you. Sometimes you need to turn the key and open it. Another example is the tithe. Money again. But how about this one? Malachi 3.10, which we talk about a lot. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. 
And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Jesus is, is, is um, the fullness of this. We see tithing from, it's not part of the law, it's prior to the law, and we see it mentioned in the New Testament as well. But we see it recognized here in Malachi as this uh, actual key. And so when we turn, try me in this, take the key of tithing and turn it, God says, see if I will not open the windows of heaven. In other words, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Whatever I permit on earth, whatever I choose to open on earth is open in heaven. So when I open myself up to this instruction, that's there. Now, some of us have had, it's like, well, I do tithe, but there's other areas. I just, we can't seem to get freedom. Some of the other financial areas would include, sometimes it's giving to the poor, Sometimes it's sowing into financial needs. Sometimes it's actually trusting. Sometimes we can give our tithe with such a wrong heart. It's like, well, I just better pay off. Maybe keep it in your pocket until you're ready to give with a cheerful heart because it, it really is a heart thing. Um, sometimes it's breaking a poverty spirit that's been dogging your family for a long time and it's a deliverance that's needed. Sometimes it's watching our confession. Like sometimes we're tithing, but we curse ourselves on the repeat, curse our finances, right? So these keys are there. Prayer is the second one, key of assignment or something to do. Sometimes you are part of a partnership of binding and loosing, forbidding or permitting. So when Paul says, I tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost for a great and effective door has opened to me, it is probable that somebody prayed that open. You with me? It's probable that somebody prayed that open and he's there and he sees it open. So then he moves in his key and he makes sure to operate in that place. But in praying, we come into that agreement. So Colossians 4.3, Paul says, meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains. So prayer, he's saying, can you pray for us that God would open the door? Can you loose something so that it'll be loose in heaven and God will open the door for us? I don't just try my keys, but sometimes I need a group of people to come around and collectively we start turning keys. We start coming into that place and seeking the Lord on behalf of. Acts 12, 4, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. Now you remember that story? That is, that is Peter's epic prison break where he's chained between guys behind bars, behind bars in this tucked away place and an angel comes and the chains just start melting off and the doors start opening. How does it happen? Somebody else turned the key. Somebody else came into the, into the prayer room and began to pray. Now, now, why at other times was Paul in chains and he didn't say pray that I'll get out of prison. He said pray that there would be effectiveness of the gospel. I know, weird, right? But then you got to go back to the first one, praying in that place of agreement. God, is this a time for a prison break or am I meant to be effective while the chains are on right now? I can't just assume that everybody's going to have the same outcome in the same way. I pray and use the keys according to what it is he directs. Are you with me? Does that make sense? Again, I know this is a ton of stuff, 
but just work with me here. James 4, 3, you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. So we prayed, it didn't work, we're standing in faith. Is it possible that it was a self-inspired dream that we were praying? Is it possible that this wasn't the prayer of alignment, that I'm not moving, I'm not actually willing to function in the assignment, and maybe I got my own stuff and I'm just like waiting for God to do something, and he's like, that's not actually the plan. So we wanna make sure that we're praying according to his will. Final thing, and we're gonna go into communion out of this, but this is probably the number one biggest area. So I want us to catch this. We've talked a lot about you know, righteousness and behavior and how we don't like tell people that you, you need to get your life right to come to Christ, but we come to Christ and then he inspires things to get right and there's a call to holiness. But this, um, these keys of agreement are something to be. So it's, it's, it's like who have I decided to be is going to determine what it is that is open or closed over my life. A lot of the things that we feel happen to us are things that we allow based on our decisions. Fair? We're, we're putting this last because I'm gonna run out the door after we all come into conviction here, but we're looking to come into agreement with God and out of agreement with the enemy. A lot of the things that we're saying, why is this happening, is because there's an area in our lives where we've given him permission to be there. And so we need to make sure that we close that off, that we come out of agreement with that thing. James 5.16 says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That verse right there is saying that there is if there are trespasses, there are things, sin issues in our life that are, have gone on, there is not an effective prayer that avails very much. So I can be walking in this ongoing sin stuff and I've got issues and I, I could be praying my face off. I can have a four hour daily prayer commitment and have no results. It's possible that I need to deal with that unrepentant sin first and then th those prayers avail much. There's an opening of that kind of thing. Fair enough. Um, Matthew 12, 30 was when Jesus was accused of casting out demons by Satan, which is so weird. And Jesus is like, that's not even possible. If, if somebody, if Satan casts out Satan by himself, his kingdom is divided against himself and it won't stand. It's, that's not even possible. There are two distinct things. But then he says in Matthew 12, 30, he who is not with me is against me. He who does not gather with me scatters abroad. So there is a conscious choice of being aligned with God that actually shifts what is possible. And the casting out of demons and the stuff that Jesus did, he was like, it's because I'm completely operating off of the Father. I'm not partnered with the enemy in any way. If we look at it this way, Sin opens the door to the enemy and closes doors to the kingdom of God. Sin opens the door to the enemy and closes the doors to the kingdom of God. So if we look at that, it, it, like this is why it's so much more than binding and loosing and yelling and shouting at the devil. It's, it's literally, if we say it's forbidding or it's permitting, 
or it's opening or it's closing, if I open myself up to the enemy in my life, I have closed the opportunity for the kingdom to liberate me in that area. So subtle changes. Sometimes we don't even know what we're doing. But have you ever noticed when you're standing in faith for something and you're believing, you will run into so many opportunities to like lose your salvation in, I'm, I'm kidding. You look at, there's so many, people are like, I can lose my salvation. It's not what I mean. I mean, not act very Christ-like. That's what I'm saying. You will run into so many opportunities to not act very Christ-like because the enemy is baiting you to give him a space to move, which is going to compromise the ability of God to move as he wants to move. And so this crossover happens. Um, An agreement with the enemy opens the door to him, closing the door to God. We know this in its simplest form, James 4, 7, and 8. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And we also know that further in James, it says that a double-minded man can't receive anything from God. So in other words, I'm trying the keys, but they just don't work. It's because double-minded. If we're caught in this space, so God is saying, literally, I want you to decide to submit to me Resist the devil and he will flee. What does that mean? Very simply, it can be things like the tongue. It can be what I'm speaking, life or death, over my family, over my finances, over my health. It can be the things that I allow into my home and give access to. If we look at it as families of, of you know, camps of, of, of things that we would want to be free of. So, for instance, fear. We can say, I'm I'm so struggling with anxiety. Why can't I get free of anxiety? I really need to be free of anxiety. How many times a day do you say over yourself, I really have anxiety? I, I, I have so much anxiety. And maybe if you walk a little further, you'll find out that you're on all kinds of anxiety support groups and there's people saying over you, yeah, I struggle with that too. We've got anxiety. Don't we have anxiety? And then you find you love that little adrenaline burst from a, like a suspenseful movie or something that's got a little bit of a fear poke in it because your adrenaline pops up and it gives you that like instantaneous high. But essentially somewhere along the way then, whether it's our words or our actions or what we're allowing into the house, um, we are deciding to give space to the enemy. And then when we say or commanding anxiety to go, anxiety's like, you welcomed me in. Like you, you made a room for me and I'm not going anywhere. And we're wondering why the key doesn't work. So, and whatever this is financially, God, I'm believing for you to provide. And then we'll like curse our finances, man. No, no, no good thing ever happens to us. We never get a good deal. I mean, our family, we just always struggle with finances. We've been poor our whole lives. We just never get a financial breakthrough. I mean, we're just, we're just that family that always falls short. We always fall through the cracks. Life and death is in the power of our tongue. So what do we say over ourselves? If, that, if the enemy's like, you, you literally sent me a verbal invitation to be here. You know, so why should I leave? So let me, final thing. You're still with me? Ooh, I know it's a lot. I am so excited about freedom in the house. I am so excited about God's people operating in the fullness of the kingdom. Does that mean that life is perfect all the time? 
No, but freedom has a face. Freedom has this like, I don't even care if I'm just eating craft dinner right now. I feel free on the inside and it's good. I am, I got nothing against anybody. I have no issues in my heart. I have expectation and hope. I believe that God's plans for me are good to give me a hope and a future. I am free. Bondage also has a face that I'm scared to even get excited right now or feel any level of hope because I just know it's gonna be just a matter of time before this all falls apart. So what's the point? Why even, why even bother getting happy? Here's what we do. I'm gonna pop up this last one on the screen. Um, this is from Neil Anderson's The Bondage Breaker. And this is Truth Encounter Deliverance. So what this is, sounds like so scary, hey? But this is like, you don't need to necessarily book an appointment in the church to come do this. This is designed, this is how the word works. And this is your own personal prayer time. Or you as a couple, or you as a family, we, we just come into this place where if we look at freedom with the keys, there is opening and there is closing. So literally... This personal thing, I'm coming into this prayer time with God, I'm engaging him, and maybe you put on a little bit of worship music for a minute, just get yourself in that space, make sure that the dog is not going to bark all over things, the kids are not screaming, find a moment. Number one, renounce the enemy. So, Holy Spirit, show me where I've come into agreement with this thing. If it's here and I can't get rid of it, why? And whatever place, so let's just suppose it's fear or it's whatever, let's just, if it's fear, so it's going to look like, so God, right now I come before you and I renounce all agreements with fear. The spirit of fear is not part of my nature and every place where I've given it access and I've, I've chosen to partner with it, I renounce right now in Jesus' name. I am choosing to separate myself from it. And where it's been a friend in the past, it is no longer a friend. And I am breaking agreements with this. So this is literally the thing. Specifically, then you go on to number two, repenting of all known sin. So Lord, in this area or any other area that the Holy Spirit should release to you or bring up to your attention, every time I have partnered with this thing, every time I've operated out of it, every time out of the fear nature that has functioned on the inside of me, every time I've operated in this and this has happened and this has happened and I've, I've done this, I've done that, I've spoken cruelly, I've been uh, you know, operating in anger or control or I've been uh, manipulative to people or I've withheld, you know, I've withheld from people my love, my resources because fear has held me. I, I, like, I just ask your forgiveness from that, Lord. I thank you that that's not who I am and your blood pays for that. I thank you, Jesus, that there is a washing that I can submit to right now and I'm asking you to forgive me. I know that that's falling short of your best for me. So I ask your forgiveness and I receive it. Number three then, I affirm the truth. And so God, I thank you that your word says you've not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I thank you, God, that I don't have to deal with this anymore. I thank you that I have a sound mind. I thank you that I have a sound body. I thank you that greater is he on the inside of me than he that is in the world. This is the truth over my life. And so, God, I declare this to be the reality of you. And I submit to the lordship of Jesus. So, God, right now, as I've come out of the, uh, the, the one place and I have bound this, right? Bound, 
I have forbidden this from access into my life. I open my life to you. I, I, I release what is necessary to be able to have you move in my life. I recognize you as Lord over my life. And what you say is true. I choose to believe what you say, and I ask you, Lord, to direct my every step. I am yours. So you, now you are loosing God to move. Whatever you bound on earth is bound in heaven. You just bound fear. It's, fear, it, it's bound in the supernatural over your life, and you've loosed God to move. And so that soundness of mind, that clarity of thought, now this applies to every part of life. This simple process, you are literally breaking agreements and making agreements. Make sense? Okay, so really quick, I'm going to have Mel come and join me. Did everybody get a communion cup on your way in this morning? Okay, so we are going to, because this is the covenant, the, the fact that we can do any of this is because of the authority of Jesus Christ. It's because of the blood that has been spilled for us. It's because of his resurrection power. It's because we have authority in Jesus' name. So we're going to just take a moment, and I'm sure the kids will be fine for an extra few minutes. Don't panic. But we're going to just take a moment and allow the Lord to just search us a bit and ask if there's an area where he wants to see us free. If there's a place, if there's a key that he wants to give us. So really simply, just, I mean, most of us have gotten really good at kind of just navigating through the chains. Yeah. It's not a great existence, you know. You know, when you see those people and they've got like the, the chains on their feet and the chains on their hands, and yes, they can still move. Some of us have been doing life like that. And you're like, I'm, you know, I'm okay, I'm upright, I'm breathing, it's a good start. No, this is not life abundantly. Do you know what I'm saying? This, Jesus paid for freedom and he's given us the keys of the kingdom, not just so that we experience the freedom, but so that we can help others experience the freedom. So I'm gonna just lead us in a prayer of commitment this morning. And we're gonna, we're gonna take a moment to ask this, Psalm 139, 23 and 24, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is, this is the thing, we're actually just asking that this would happen. There's a passage in 1 Corinthians 11 and Paul's talking about the, the Lord's Supper, communion. And he's saying, now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. For there also must be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper, for in eating one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry, another is drunk. In other words, there's self-will. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. 
He's saying that specifically, there are times when even in our communion services, we can do things out of this wrong perspective, selfish ambitions, selfish motives, things that are not correct in God's eyes. And we need to pause and allow the Lord to search us. And we need to make sure that we're doing things from the right place. And this morning, I just believe even as we just take a couple minutes and we ask the Lord to search us, do you know, a, a prayer of repentance is like a minute, 30 seconds. If God highlights something in your life that it's like, man, I've had bitterness in this area. I've had unforgiveness in this area. I've had fear in this area. I've had, I've had issues with other people. I've, I've had issues with, you know, just my, my own internal heart stuff. Then I'm gonna ask you even now, this repentance portion, it's just a, God, forgive me. I recognize this is not you. And then we're gonna partake together. So let's just take a couple minutes and invite the Lord to do that. Spirit, that you are so good at your job. That you bring conviction for the sake of repentance. That there is a goal of seeing us walk in the freedom that's been paid for for us. And so, God, right now we just submit to that searchlight for the sake of freedom. And we thank you for it, God. Would you stand together with me? And I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And for some, this is going to be the prayer of salvation in the sense that you've just, even you've been sitting here this morning, you're like, I actually don't even think I know God, but I really want to be all in. I believe that he's real and I really want to know him. And so for you, as we pray this today, this is your prayer of commitment. And I'm going to invite you after the service to, there's a card in the seat in front of you that says, I have decided. And if you would just fill that out and bring it to the front, one of the pastors or prayer team would love to pray with you and connect with you on that. But for all of us, I'm pretty sure there's not a person in the room who doesn't have an area that the Holy Spirit can flag. None of us walked in here today going, wow, I am golden. But it's the same kind of prayer. It's this. It's renouncing attachments to the enemy. It's repenting of sin. It's affirming the truth. And it's submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So would you repeat after me? Father God, I come before you today. And I thank you for your love. I thank you for the freedom you offer. 
And I thank you that by the blood of Jesus and his death and resurrection, I can be free. And so God, today, I break all agreements with the powers of darkness, with the enemy of my soul. And God, I confess to you all sin. Lord, whether I've realized it was sin or whether just right now you're highlighting it, I know it falls short of your best. And so God, today, I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for your cleansing. And God, today, I choose a better way. That better way is relationship with Jesus. It's walking with the Spirit. It's honoring the Father. And it's living the kingdom life. So I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for newness of life. I thank you for a fresh beginning. And God, today I align myself with you. I declare over me, Jesus is Lord. God, you have authority in my life. And I submit to you. And I thank you for the life and the freedom and the abundance that this kingdom walk brings. And I give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we are going to just receive this, this covenant, right? This marker of what Jesus has done. And for those who you've maybe prayed this and the enemy, you know, if he's been around for a long time in your life in a certain area, he will try and lie to you that this this is irrelevant or it's just emotionalism or whatever. This is our symbol of the covenant and it is truth and we receive it by faith. So any point after this, the enemy tries to tell you that this was not real, it didn't happen, that you're not forgiven, you remind him of this and you make sure you close that door, you submit to God, you resist the devil and he will flee devil you're a liar right so as has been done for thousands of years for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and he said take eat this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me so in remembrance of him, we receive. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, we thank you according to your word that that broken body is even for our healing for the release of infirmities, God, I thank you that it's a full body price for a full body freedom. So I thank you that even this morning as we've come into this prayer of agreement with you, that miraculous healings begin to happen, that there's a miraculous release today in Jesus' name. And let's take the cup. And it says, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, 
saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This covenant ends the separation between us and God. It makes way for us to know him, to be able to, to operate in these keys, to know that relationship, that perfect love. It was paid for by this once and for all. So we celebrate this. God, we come before you and we recognize symbolically this is representative of the blood of the new covenant. And God, as your children today, we receive this with great gratitude, great delight, and great hope for what is ahead. We receive it by faith in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. <laughs> and I just want to declare over you as we go, Mel's just going to sing us a song as we leave. But once again, according to his word, he who the son has made free is free indeed. Grab your keys and use them. It's time to go. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.victorygp.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.